Hello and welcome to the Raising Men Show and I'm your host Craig Carlisle. Super Tuesdays right here on WKPY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia. What up Chatham? How you guys doing today? Shouts out to everyone there at Bible Way Church. I pray everyone is doing well. How you doing Bishop? Today's topic is coaching in crisis. We're still continuing on in our Quarantining Our Thoughts series. Our guest is Dr. Michelle Knight, and she's a life coach, certified life coach, educational doctor. Very special because she's also my cousin. But, you know, I bring family on from time to time, you know, and we all have family members that are doing great things. We do have some family members that aren't doing such great things. This one here is amongst those who are doing some phenomenal things. She's going to spend some time talking to us and sharing as we go through this whole COVID-19 and sheltering in place. How are we really dealing with our families and dealing with ourselves and how do we coach in crisis? Definitely encourage you to listen and share along as we go as we go into this interview. Hope you really enjoy it. We'll be right back afterwards with something very extra special. So we have coach Dr. Michelle Knight. And then Michelle H. Knight, make sure we get that out there. Make sure we get all the, the letters out there. And uh, first I say, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Today has been a great day. It's Sunday. Had some virtual worship and uh, really felt uh, enlightened and inspired uh, today in today's service. So it's been great. Well, that's awesome. And we share a bunch of uh, family as we, uh, or we are spending time. I should give the listeners out there an extra special pull plug and I make sure everybody understands who Dr. Michelle Knight is. This is actually my cousin. She's my first cousin. She is my dad's sister's daughter. And those who may remember that my aunt, her mother is Mary L. Page. She is mm-hmm. a, the author of those outstanding books on Revelation. And she did two weeks prior. And so then I spoke just last week, Michelle, on a topic of uh, just well the service dealing with those things that are kind of keeping us off balance and keeping mm-hmm. us kind of brewing and dealing with the issues of life, especially during those times of the pandemic. And your mother spoke on two weeks worth of where does this pandemic really fit into the whole thought of, of Revelation and end times. And you being a life coach, where do you really, you know, what are you doing right now? And how has, how has this pandemic changed your coaching style? Wow. Well, first, let me say, Craig, it's okay for you to acknowledge that I am your favorite cousin. Oh, yeah, no, um, doubt. no doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, thank you for this opportunity that the pandemic has uh, really helped me to focus on what's important and, and help my clients to focus on what, what's important. And when you post this question initially, it was like, wow, that's interesting. So, uh, beyond the obvious of, of shifting to a fully virtual coaching interface, meaning, you know, typically coaching clients, they come here to my home office. We have our private, you know, confidential space. Now everything's on, you know, in this virtual format. So whether it's Zoom or GoToMeeting or what have you, um, really that's the primary thing that has changed in terms of functionality. Um, the methods that I continue to use and the, the best practices that I uh, continue to do with my clients hasn't really changed but the one thing that I noticed about in, in conversation with my clients recently is how much I'm focusing on and telling others to recognize the power of choice. And, and that choice is to do, to be, to have, to act, you know, to love, to respond, so on. It's, it's just we're in a place of choice um, with the pandemic. And so it's no longer business as usual. And if we ever get back to a new normal, whatever that looks like, I believe that what we're doing now definitely shapes what that looks like. Um, so getting people to realize that the, the absolute power that they have in owning their own decision and understanding that 
what they need, what they want, um, what they know is, is really within them. So it's not my job to give them the answer, right? That, that, that's what I do as a consultant, do this, do that. But in coaching, it's more about pulling out what they, what they already have within them and helping them to recognize that power. Um, so, um, you know, we're at choice each and every moment, each and every second. And prior to the pandemic, we, we could acknowledge this as kind of like the subconscious thing or a feeling or a gut, a gut consciousness that we have. Oh, I have a feeling about this. But now that we're in this place um, where the structure has been disrupted and um, there, there's chaos and lack of control, we now have to be very intentional about the choices that we're making. And, um, you know, life is fleeting and, and the choices matter because lives are dependent upon what we do right now. It's so. awesome. I really appreciate the, the, those key points because when you really are sitting back thinking that that time is short, you and I both have mm-hmm. shared, you know, significant losses in our, in our lives with parents. Mm-hmm. Really, and that was probably one of my first times realizing that the shortness of life mm-hmm. and making that really, really salient. And so when you're dealing with this pandemic and, and making things even shorter, it's on everybody's doorstep now. I'm sh- I would imagine that some of your clients probably figured, oh, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. But now everything applies to them. Absolutely. And, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, what matters most and you're, t- you're talking about protecting those that you love, we're, we're really focused on protecting a nation of people. Some people we don't even know, but our decisions, our choices that we make are now impacting a much larger people. Um, and, and loss is something that does come up a lot in, in conversation. Um, the, the feeling of, of, of losing a job or um, loss of resources, going to the grocery store and, and realizing that there's no tissue paper or there's no toilet paper, there's no um, supplies and that feeling of what do I do next? And um, being able to be that confidential, safe place that the clients that I serve um, humbly, that being, being able to talk about the small things to the larger things of like, like you just said, the, the loss. And what I realize is that there really is no scale for loss because it's yours. It, it, I don't get to say, oh, that's a small thing that you don't have toilet paper or that's a big thing that my dad passed away. I, I don't get to make a judgment about that. And that's what I love about um, the space that I'm in with, with my clients and, and talking about loss and, and getting them through the grief process of whatever that loss is. Um, it's, it's really an honor. You know, it's funny because just last week when I spoke the just below the surface, I took the Lord led me to take the listeners through the five steps of grief mm. where when we spend a lot of time dealing with the denial of, Oh no, no, this pandemic is really not going to happen. It's not going to affect mm-hmm. me. It's really nothing. It's just a, Oh, this is just a flu on steroids. We're good. We're good. And you see people really choosing, like you said, it's a power of choice, choosing mm-hmm. not to obey the law. Mm. And the word says that we must, you know, obey the law of the land. We must render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And mm-hmm. so those who are, who are Christians and are not following after the law and these, you know, sheltering in, and even to the point where some areas are saying we should have our faces covered in some manner with a respirator, we're being disobedient to and we're using uh, that power of choice mm-hmm. in a negative way. How do you help us all use our, our power of choice and our free will? Let's, let's put it real, like on the, in a real godly way. How do you help mm-hmm. us use that power of choice in a way that makes sense for all of us? You know, um, my, my, my practice is not based on, um, on Christian or religious practices, right? However, I'm that light because I am a believer. And um, that, that question really brings me to um, considering yourself. I know that that scripture is not about that context, you know, but sure. considering yourself, 
Um, if, if my life, if I'm willing to put my life and the, and the four people that live in this home with me in jeopardy, um, what, what type of love is that? What type of relationship is that? How am I honoring that? And so when we consider ourselves encouraging people to look at themselves and go, how, not just how do you want to be treated, but how can you help people be treated the way that they want to be treated? Um, really honoring the human spirit, uh, the, you know, really honoring that human beings deserve, um, uh, not, in, not in an arrogant way, but we, we deserve all the things that I want as an individual, all the things that you want as an individual. And, and that's really a choice that I don't get to make. Um, I need to honor you by honoring what it is that you want. And if you want safety and I'm in your space, then it's my job to honor that and respect that. And um, yeah. mm-hmm. Now that's huge because a lot of us, we don't really think about it that way. We can get very selfish and it's all about me, right? And mm-hmm. even we're dealing with the, in the news here recently, the mayor of Las Vegas, she's talking about, oh, it's, it's not my job to figure out how to keep a casino or a restaurant clean. I'm the mayor. That's up to you. You're the business owner. You, it's up to you to figure out how to make that happen. And that puts the power of onus and the choice onto someone else to live our lives and keep us safe. And that's that's a tough place to be when we don't want to choose to live our own life right. Mm-hmm. And and leaders, um, that, that made me think about that. It's like, as leaders, uh, when you talk about um, servant leadership, for instance, uh, that family that I'm leading at in my day job, um, that's a, a, a wife, a husband, and a kid in one family. I'm responsible for all of them when I make a decision that impacts that person's well-being. And so our, our nation's leadership, I'm not going to go there, don't worry, but our nation's <laughs> leadership, we have to use wisdom in what we're sharing, whether it's intentional or unintentional. People listen to leaders. Uh, people listen to people that they're supposed to be able to trust. People listen to um, those people's voices that resonate with them most. And so in our position, in your position, Craig, as, as a national, international spokesperson on this Raising Men, as my position as a CEO, founder, life coach, all the hats that I wear, I'm leading people. And so we have a responsibility to be responsible to ourselves and be considerate of what the, the other human on the side on the other side of this conversation is going through. We absolutely are responsible. Definitely. And as you're going through and just going through life and you're living the pandemic, you're not always the, the life coach, right? Because sometimes your life is in chaos as well. How do you coach yourself? Are you, are you a good client? Mm. Mm. Oh, the dreaded question. So my short answer is sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes I am um, a good client, right? So I, I learn and I teach by my experience, right? I continue refining myself. I listen to people that I respect and, and honor as gifts in this way. Like for instance, um, I listen to for per, per, per personal development, I listen to people like Inyama or Lisa Nichols or Brene Brown for leadership, um, you know, thinking about people like um, Steve Harvey or Stephen Covey, John Maxwell, Kevin Hart, you know, those folks come to mind spiritually. Um, and, and I'm talking about the entire body of, of, of the person, your mental, your emotional, your spiritual, your physical well-being. Um, a lot of my spirituality comes from my parents as being pastors and not my brother, who's my best friend outside of my husband. Um, 
he's not my pastor. So I, I have all of these influences and things like that. Um, very much so inspired by music. So why, why am I talking about this? I, I'm saying that because I practice what I preach in those ways. I have my affirmations that I get up daily and confess to myself and, and repeat to myself. Um, I read my word every day. I have scriptural daily references that I, that I look at. I practice being kind. Um, the judgment piece, you know, that that's a work in progress sometimes, you know, <laughs> I feel you. Um, because I have a story around what I'm experiencing. And, and sometimes it's hard to separate the facts from the story that I want to tell myself to keep me stuck in a place. Um, I'm a realist, so I very, very rarely get stuck in the muck, but it's easy to let my mind go there. Right. So when I'm a bad client, that looks like not practicing the best self-care, right? Not getting up and exercising. Um, like I would like to, or like, I think I want to look, you know, my, my team teases me about being Beyonce, um, and, uh, no judgment, no laughing, you know, um, but they, they tease me about that. Right. Uh, because, uh, I sing and I, and I love working out. I just don't dedicate as much time as I, as I, as I would like to. Um, so when I'm not being a good client, what I'm telling myself is I care so much about what I'm doing because the ideas never stop. The, the, um, Inventions never stop. The quotes never stop. The inspiration, the divine three o'clock in the morning, you know, calls from up above, they don't stop. So I'm so passionate about those things that I'm not realizing how much time I'm actually spending on them. So being more intentional about that would help me to be a better client to myself, being more disciplined around the things that, um, that matter, making time for those things. And, that, and that's actually been one of the benefits of the pandemic is taking time to slow down just a little bit and uh, being intentional about spending time with my loved ones, so. Well, that's awesome. We're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back from the break, we're gonna continue on. We've got a few more questions and um, that I definitely know that the people need to hear from uh, Dr. Knight. And Michelle, you're gonna be here with me. So it'll be about two minutes for you guys. And we'll be right back. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. This is Mr. C, the host of The Framework, a Christian hip-hop show and podcast. Now, I know, I know that COVID's got us all shut in and shut up right about now, but The Framework's got music that makes me want to go in and get up. Tune in to The Framework, Fridays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, right here on WKBY 1080 AM and WKBY1080.net. This is Craig Carlisle, the host of The Raising Men Show, and I'm also an executive producer of the independent feature film Restored Me. It's a powerful, feel-good dramedy that centers around a young man trying to restore his relationship with his young daughter and her mother after his wrongful incarceration. This film speaks to restoring your faith and pushes a bold message of positivity and motivation. The cast includes Gary Owen, Bill Duke, Will Young Lee, Matt Gerald, Richard T. Jones, Malik Yobo, Yancey Arias, and both Casper Smart, just to name a few. Restore Me is available on over 100 digital markets, including iTunes, Amazon, and on demand from your local cable provider. Buy it, rent it, either way, I'm asking you to watch it. It'll bless your life. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. So we're back on the break. And so, Dr. Knight, when you were coming, when we were going into the first break, you were mentioning about being intentional with our families during this time, this pandemic time. And I know for me being a dad, I'm the only parent in the house. The kids see me coming and sometimes it's just like, oh my God, here comes dad. And I, <laughs> I, I coached some of them in, in sports, but you know, there, I'm sure there's some parallels between sports and life, but you being a life coach, 
I mean, do you coach your kids? Do you coach your family? I mean, do they like run away from you sometimes? Oh gosh, here comes mom, here she goes. And how do you do that? How are you able to quarantine the coach and, and then be mom at sometimes? <laughs> oh my gosh, I absolutely coach my family. Um, and sometimes they run and sometimes they sit and they listen. Sometimes they ask me, mom, what would you do? And um, I love my family so much. We actually have uh, family meetings. We still are very much so traditional in that we eat dinner together, whether it's taco shop or, <laughs> or it's a home cooked meal. I love to cook. Um, so uh, it doesn't matter. That's family time, no cell phones, no TV. We can have a little Alexa playing or whatever, but we're totally focused. And in those moments, um, I found myself still being the coach. It's hard to turn that, that, that off but they know me and they love me and they know whatever I'm doing is coming from a place of love and I'm always mom. Um, but this question reminds me of a, of a story. So we have um, a blended family of seven and we have eight grandchildren um, as well. And the three that are still at home are actually my birth children, two sons um, who are 18 and 16 and our daughter together. So, um, we, we're a blended family, obviously, because we're, there's been divorce and remarrying, all that type of stuff that we could talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, my family was big. <laughs> we, have a, we have a pretty large family, so we have that in common. Um, so my sons are 18 and 16, and our princess is five. Um, and like I said before, we have family meetings. And um, when the boys were learning what it looked like to have a father in the home, they would often buck up against that system every now and again. So this is many years ago, but definitely a story that comes to mind. So at one point they decided they wanted to uh, try smoking and uh, hubby came home and the house was filled with an unpleasant yet familiar smell. And uh, my husband went in a panic and called me. I had left with, uh, with our daughter and I was out doing some shopping and he's like, you need to get home. Um, and gave me a very high level of what had happened in the questioning that had pursued before I had ensued before I got in there. So I called my mom and I said, didn't tell her any details. I said, hey, I just need to drop um, Caitlin off to you for a couple of hours. I need to run home. We need to have, there's an emergency, but nothing to be um, worried about. Status taking care of it. That's what my husband's name is Steve. And so the kids, when we first got married, were calling him Steve dad. So that became <laughs> sad instead of stepdad. So yeah, yeah, yeah. family name. So long story short, um, after I got home and I didn't lose it completely, but I, I wasn't my best self in that moment. And I quickly grabbed, like snatched my mind and was like, okay, I don't know how, how long this has been going on. I don't know um, what they're going through that would make them do this or make them think that this was okay, especially with our history um, with BioDad and drug addiction. Like this is something that we have been really, really clear about and very open about the experiences and what life should look like and don't get sucked into, you know, just, just the whole, the whole bit. Um, but in, in a few hours, I called for an in immediate intervention. I called both sets of uh, grandparents and I was like, we need a family meeting right now because my, my parent thought was not on my watch. That this is, this is not going to happen. And I literally had to coach myself, breathe in from your heart, think positively, um, try not to have judgment, all that good stuff ironically at the same time like the day literally craig it was like either the day i i would i want to say the day maybe two days before a friend of mine had just sent me this video um a red table talk with uh, jada pinkett smith 
And she, she was interviewing a young rapper who was battling drug addiction and had fallen off the stage or passed out or something in the middle of his concert. And she had um, her mom on there, who we know is a re- very much so a, a positive influence and recovered drug addict. She had Will's sister on there who had been smoking weed and all this stuff. And she had that gentleman in Willow. And they were sh- sharing their stories about overcoming addiction or why they were in the pos- position that they were in. So got the grandparents over here. Uh, and before I said a word to my sons, before I opened the floor, I just said, hey, we're going to watch this video. And it was silent. The video played and um, we watched it. And um, after the video was over, I pressed pause on the, on the YouTube channel or whatever. And I was like, I opened it up with the open-ended question, classic coaching. So what's on your mind? And by the end of the conversation, I get emotional thinking about it because I believe that that saved their lives that day. Me being a coach versus just being a parent. And I allowed them to share some deeply personal concerns that they were facing that I couldn't have known were affecting them the way that they were. Uh, My oldest son was um, suffering with depression at the time and carrying the guilt of, uh, we moved from one city to another and they left all of their quote unquote childhood friends that they had made. And one of those young men that they left behind, Taylor was his only friend. And after we moved, he attempted to commit suicide multiple times. And I had no idea that that was still weighing on him. Like he felt personally responsible that this young man had attempted to commit suicide because he felt he had let him down by not being there. So that was on his mind. We were dealing with the grief and the feelings of loss due to the divorce from their dad, even though it was many, many years ago, they were very young. Just the fact that they didn't have him in their life and the relationship that they wanted with him was weighing on them. Um, they were still holding to the lost weed experience when I realized that my second husband was the worst mistake of my life and had no idea until that divorce happened that they were still dealing with that and the broken pieces and how we were going to move on, even though now third marriage um, was the most beautiful thing that had ever happened to all of us. They were still holding on and not willing to let go and not accepting the newness and the, the perfect for us in that moment. There's no such thing as a perfect family, but the, the growth and, and the life and every promise that God had made and had proven through this now beautiful marriage and this union in our home, everything, all of this goodness was taking place, but they were stuck. And I remember having this thought um, that my sons had never had a full-time live-in father. They had never experienced discipline from love versus anger or manipulation. And aside from their grandfathers, and now one of which who had passed away, one was sick, and the uncles, the presence of a consistent manly influence had been lacking for all those years. Here I am, single parent, holding it down, doing what I do, all of that, but there was still a breaking and a a lack of understanding, because I'm not a man, I can't teach my sons how to be a man, but they are perfect gentlemen, right? They pull chairs, they open doors, I don't touch the doors, I don't touch the trash, but I had no idea that they were still holding on to this. And so um, that thought and saying it aloud for the first time was a, a pivotal point in our relationship. Um, in our, my relationship with them, their relationship with Stad, their relationship with their grandparents and really created a community of support. And it started a path for us to true openness and conversation and creating a safe place for them to share whenever about whatever. 
And I, I didn't replace being a parent with being a friend in that moment. So I don't want that to be misconstrued or um, mistaken in the way that I was listening and allowing them to share. Uh, but I, I always be mama. I can snap my finger now and they'll come running at 18 and 16, not out of fear, but out of respect. Um, but what I, what I did let them know was that there was nothing that they could do that would change my love for them. They're, they're, they didn't have to, um, it was okay to make a mistake as long as they learned from it. And they didn't have to feel alone in making those mistakes because I made mistakes. And that the shame that they were feeling, um, that, that could just be dissipated. It could be ignored. It, it didn't even exist because I could relate and understand to the feeling of loss and the feeling of rejection and the feeling of hurt, the feeling of grief and the feeling of, um, of that, that loneliness. And now they knew that they had a solid support within our castle. That's what we call our home. So had I only been, had I only been a parent to them, I'm not sure how our life would be right now. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to take the moment to listen and to create that safe place for them to be heard and for me to be heard. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I do my best to live what I practice and um, some might say practice what I preach, however that comes out. In reality, I was trusting my own experience versus holding or hiding behind them. And that level of vulnerability is necessary in what I do, but it's about who I am and who I choose to be in my most sacred relationships. It's beautiful and I commend you for that. And in a lot of cases, I wish we as parents would all at least take a life coaching course, right? Because we need some tools to work with and you've given us a stellar amount of tools in that story now so a lot of you guys are listening to the story and listening to the raise a men show you got to be able to take from not just you know the tear wiping part of of the kids getting better and hearing and in following and knowing they had a place to listen but there was a tool there you listened you stopped you didn't just react you went and got some people who could help you you breathe, you, you mm -hmm. kind of stepped away for a moment. A lot of parents, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times as a parent, we just kind of start shooting and reacting and it's, it's on and cracking and you're going to do that. And it's chairs sure, and furniture mm -hmm. moving around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where did you find that inner, like, okay, how do you keep the coach right alongside the parent? How mm -hmm. do you do that? How do you help parents like us quarantine the, the anger Mm. keep the coats thereby? That's a beautiful question. And um, what's coming up for me right now is asking questions. It's asking questions. It's asking the open-ended questions, not filling in gaps, not being um, the judge, jury, and, you know, and the counsel. It's, it's not being all of those things. It's just being the one thing, the listener. And, and sometimes that's hard. Um, sometimes it's difficult. I, I think for me, um, growing up in the church, you know, both of our parents were pastors and um, I'm grateful for the lives that we had. I think our parents did a great job in, in raising us and bringing us into an understanding, but there was a lot that our parents didn't experience. And so when I was growing up, Craig, and you remember, I, I was at a, at a party that you were DJing at. Do you remember that? Hey, we'd be vulnerable and transparent, right? right? Yeah, so, yeah. So we, we were out there in a way. I'm not saying we were doing everything, but we were out there. Yeah. And so um, my mom has never been out there. 
No, because she knew that that my dad and mom was going to reel it back in real quick. They they weren't out there. So I learned a lot by trial and error. I had my older brother, even though we were like twins, he's five years older than I am. Um, and I hung out with a lot of his friends because I started singing in a group with them when I was 11. Yep. Now, I wasn't yep. I wasn't getting it at 11. I wasn't that like that. I'm just saying. But as a teenager, I was exposed to a lot um, at my own hand. Um, because my parents trusted me, but I didn't have, I didn't feel I could go to them and say, mom, um, I'm smoking cigarette, well, smoking black and mild, and I'm, and I'm touring around with, you know, smoking weed, and um, every now and again, I hit a little Hennessy, you know, I wasn't, hey. I, my, mom, <laughs> my, my mom wasn't ready for that, no. and at least I didn't think she was, because I never heard her talk about her experience, so that was the thing uh, for me, is being okay with sharing my experience, knowing that I'm healed, I'm a different person. I had to heal. I had to heal and I had to deal with my crap and understand that I'm making the best decision that I can, but that coach voice was kept telling me, share your experiences with them. Don't hide behind your failures because that's what that's exactly what they're expecting. They're expecting judgment. They're they're fearful of what I might think of them as a parent because I'm not willing to share where I've been respectfully and and age appropriately. I, I you know, there, there's a time and a place and there's a way that you say it. But that's what I was sensing is this is not the time for me to hide behind um, this this facade that I haven't been where they are give them an opportunity and a sneak peek into my life in a different way. Well, I know you, I know your father wasn't ready for that either. Cause that man <laughs> and my dad were, were similar cut guys. They were from the South. They were from a spot where you didn't, you didn't contradict anything that parents that their father said do. Yeah. My dad used to be overseas. And as a kid, I didn't realize that my dad was gone. I mean, I know they told me he was gone, but mm-hmm. I was so young for me. He just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Right. But I always knew that when my dad wasn't there, yours was. Mm. I remember him coming over to the house. You know, he had his black three-piece suit on. He'd just come from <laughs> church you know, with his church go to meeting clothes on. And right. we would be out in the backyard because we knew that, you know, Elder Page was coming to the house. We got to mm-hmm. get the chores done because we were supposed to get the yard done. Ken was responsible and I had to help. Mm-hmm. And I was, and then they click. It's like, wait a minute. Why are we always out in the grass and not the yard when he come? <laughs> You know, right, I thought right. well, it must be it must be lawn day because he's coming. But <laughs> I remember that your dad and my dad they held respect. They commanded mm-hmm. the homes. They made they they weren't iron fist people with the velvet gloves, but they mm-hmm. they knew when it took to get your attention, and they knew what it took to for what you needed at that time. Mm-hmm. But those two men didn't play around. Right, and I and, was the baby, so yeah, I know I got away with a lot. Yes, you did, um, Lord. And- yes, you did. <laughs> And I know, I know I was spoiled. I'm still quite spoiled, but I'm extremely independent and I love to buy my own shoes now. So, um, yeah, yeah. My, my dad, I love my dad dearly. And, uh, I'm a daddy's girl. I told my husband, I, I said, you know, I'm a daddy's girl till I die. So I'm not saying you need to fill his shoes. I'm saying you have some big shoes to turn around, you know, to be around because, um, I was well taken care of. And I'm so grateful. And my dad could call and sniff out. And I and I had the, the gift of gab. And, you know, oh, you smell like cigarettes. No, I've been around somebody who's been smoking. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, so it was like, hey, I'm exposing myself to this. I know you know that, but I don't want to disappoint you. I, I don't want to let you down. And 
and, and make you feel differently about me because I feel differently about me. And that's what I sensed for my kids. You know what's interesting? With the last few points you made, I've confirmed what the Lord has given me just last night. I have kind of, I used to write a lot and post a lot. And I've been kind of saving a lot of the writings on the side for future either show topics or just kind of curating them for a minute. But you've hit on something that has confirmed two things. The first is it doesn't matter how many listen to you. It matters who listens to you. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many of us out there right now, we want to be heard. We want to be out there. We want to do so many things. We want followers. We want likes. We want people to really pay attention to what we're saying. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it comes down to who mm-hmm. is listening to it. And, and the, the follow-up to that that the Lord had given me is we want people to listen to us, but what are we saying? Mm-hmm. And as parents, it's so key in this, in this pandemic, especially what are we saying to our kids? Because we're dealing with a variety of things and fears and anxiety in our own hearts with going to stores and seeing empty shelves or, or whatever the trigger is. Mm-hmm. But you've given us tools to be able to sit back and breathe and step back. Because our kids are dealing with other things themselves because they're not able to go outside. They're looking at our faces, seeing mom and dad's faces change yeah. and not understand, well, why are they changing? There must be something different. And our tones and countenances are different. Mm-hmm. How are, what do you suggest and how do you help us parents quarantine those thoughts dealing with the kids? How do you coach us through this crisis with dealing with making sure our kids know that we are as okay as we're going to be right now in this time? That's a really powerful question. Um, I was thinking about you, you, we had had some conversation before and you were saying, you know, how do I coach my clients through um, some of those difficult times? And it's flipping that on its head. I think there's an opportunity to share some of those things as well. Um, definitely for us um, in my home, structure is still very important. A routine is very important. And I think when we're in the midst of chaos, then we have the opportunity, we have the choice to look at it for what it is, not what we think it should be. And giving up that idea that, um, you know, you know, we have these fairy tale things like, by the time I'm this age, it's gonna look like this and it's gonna be like that. And, oh my gosh, when I get this age, it's gonna, so we're at a time where all of that, all of those thoughts don't make sense anymore. Um, while we're at choice to choose what we think, we're, we didn't create the parameters under which we have now. So finding a new normal, letting go of the thought that it's going to be a certain way and dealing with the reality of what is, right? It's, it's yeah. putting ourselves being present and in the moment. That doesn't mean we don't plan. That doesn't mean we don't um, aspire for something different. But we cannot set the expectation that um, this is going to be over tomorrow. It's not realistic. If, yeah. if the whole world went back to being what it was tomorrow, there would be another fallout and probably a greater fallout because we haven't even dealt with the issue that's at hand. There is no cure right now. So when I, when I put that in a real life perspective, um, in terms of... Um, setting expectations that are, that are realistic, um, looking at what is, honoring the, that moment, looking at the silver lining, what do you have versus what don't you have? 
So flipping that on its head and saying, I, though I may not be able to go to the store um, when I want to and get everything that I want, what can I do? Wow, I have a cupboard full of food or um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and I'm just going to read a book. It, it's, it's filling in the, the, those gaps with something that maybe you've lost along the way, rekindling your passion for what's really important. Um, I found that to be true for me. That is what I offer. Um, I've been writing more. I've been intentional about um, making quality time. So in our home, we have Netflix, right? And um, so now our new thing is each person gets to pick a series that they want to watch. And that's, we watch that series with that person, right? We, we make time to do what is important. That creates structure and order and a bond that I hope even beyond this quarantine doesn't change. So it's about being intentional. Um, it's about that's, being mindful. That's awesome. So tell us, how do we, how do we help you? How do, how do we make sure that people understand what your practice is? I, I had not even introduced that. I know on the social media, so reading the descriptions, you'll see all the accolades, you'll see the website. I want everybody to make sure that they reach out to, you know, my cousin, Dr. Knight, that, and get a hold of her. She's a brilliant life coach. She's not just brilliant because she's my cousin and related to me. Yeah, because I've got some folks that are related to me, you know, blood and not blood that are just completely out of their mind. They're just batty. But in this case, she's not. She's a, a brilliant person. She knows God. And I know you're, you said your practice is not based on spiritual base, but your your life is based on spirituality. Mm-hmm. So it it's duty there, even though the scripture is implied. As you look at the website, there may not be scripture pouring, 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 mm-hmm. but there's there's deep, there's caring, there's giving in that of all you do. How do we get connected with you? What's the best way for people to really choose a life coach and get started with a coach? And how do you, how do you engage people who are even thinking about picking up a life coach? I love that. Um, and that, that's a very timely question. I just, I just started with a new client called me. Uh, we had a consultation yesterday. So basically email me, call me. Um, Craig will provide all of that information. Set up a 90-minute consultation and see if there's a good fit. Um, fit is important. Um, like Craig said, I'm, I'm a Christian. Um, I believe. I have faith. Um, all of those good things. And I, I've studied. I, um, this is not just something that I picked up uh, and said, oh, I want to do. Um, if I could share, Craig, uh, the reason why I got into coaching, um, Please. It, 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 it's easy. It's easy for you to get a hold of me. It's the bottom line. That's the short answer. But the reason why I do what I do and why it's important for you to understand when if you're looking for someone to connect with in this way, th- there's a thing about a story and experience. Right. And so my experience, the type of, of loss and the type of grief and the type of challenge that I've had to process um, involves uh divorce two times, loss of job, um, homeless for a day. And I don't care if it was a day or 10 years, being homeless is not a good feeling, um, let alone having two children at that time. Um, Suffering any type of abuse. Some people think, oh, he only called me a B so that he's not hitting me. No, abuse is abuse. And if if, if a person is hitting you, dishonoring you, disrespecting, cheating, lying, there, there's, there's something wrong with them, not something wrong with you. And um, uh, dealing with drug addicted loved ones, trying to fix people. These are the types of things that I went through and lessons that I had to learn. And it wasn't just about um, 
well, do something different. It, it was like, what is the pattern? Why do I keep going for this? We just talked about parents being pastors and having a good life and being a daddy's girl. And my dad never laid a hand on me, never yelled at me for that matter. I, I'm the only one of my dad's children that never got a whipping. I mean, so this was, the abuse was not a part of my story. So how did that end up in my adulthood? It was because of decisions that I was making and choices that I was making that weren't the best for me. It felt right, but it wasn't right. Um, and uh, there, there's a message that came to me in that, and it was saying, um, understanding the promise, but manipulating the plan. Understanding the promise, but manipulating the plan. There was nothing wrong with my dream. There was nothing wrong with the promise that was made for me, but it was the timing. It was me wanting to put it into my own framework and me wanting to do it my way. I say all that to say, if those things resonate with you, um, in terms of a person that understands what you're going through. If some of those things come to mind or you, or you see yourself in that self-esteem, um, feeling less than, staying longer than you wanted to stay, um, gazing in the window much longer than you planned on gazing, whatever it is, if it was trial by error or whatever, there was a lesson that I needed to learn to get me to this point. And so I, that's what I do help people dig up the root cause, the root of what it is that's causing them to behave a certain way. And sometimes it's as simple as I needed to say, I'm sorry to myself. I did the best that I could with the knowledge that I had in that moment, made the best decision that I could, but I need to forgive myself before I can forgive anyone else. Maybe it is um, molestation, been there, right? Maybe, maybe it, it, it could be a number of things, but these, these are things that resonate with me in my experience that um, at some point come up in conversation with those people who choose to be clients of mine. And so that's what I would say, how you, how you would choose me or how I would choose you is have a real and open conversation. Consultations are free. Um, and then if you decide that I'm the right person for you and you believe I can help you get not, um, not where I am out of arrogance, but I mean, getting to a place where you can be real with yourself and look in the mirror and be happy with the person that you see, even though you're not perfect, then let's talk. That's awesome. Well, you've been listening to the Razor Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. Man, this is my cousin, Dr. Michelle Knight. Thank you for having me. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with Royal Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202. Or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family. This is Mr. C, the host of The Framework, a Christian hip-hop show and podcast. Now, I know, I know that COVID's got us all shut in and shut up right about now, but The Framework's got music that makes me want to go in and get up. Tune in to The Framework, Fridays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, right here on WKBY 1080 AM and WKBY1080.net. The Framework. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlin, on WKBY 1080 AM. And I hope you enjoyed the interview I had with my cousin, Dr. Michelle Knight. 
She gave us some tools, parents, to really be able to coach ourselves through this crisis time. A lot of it is, you know, we got to be able to settle down, relax, assess ourselves, hear from our insights, just from our heart outward first. We need to be able to make sure our kids can hear from us and, and feel like they're in a safe place to be able to give their opinion on, on where they are and how they're feeling without judgment. So parents, some of us got some work to do on that. Shouts out to Sherilyn Payton. She's another one of our great life coaches that we've got relationship with. It's really an awesome time. We can really get our whole life together. Today, we have an actual special gift, special opportunity. I've launched a new show called The Framework. It's a Christian hip-hop show. It airs right here on WKBY 1080 AM, Friday nights at midnight. So here's a little sample of what you're going to get on Friday nights. Welcome to The Framework, and I'm your host, Mr. C. You didn't come to hear me talk about it. Hating when the DJ talks too much. We're going to get right into it today with a little bit of that Latin spice. A little bit from Cuba, Chile. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Let's set it off right with that first track. Sets the tone for the whole thing. Long living champion. Let's go, KB. Gabriel Rodriguez and Sid. I take it global, I be moreno, papi loco, since ocho ocho I like dance on the low, low, it's in my torso I got fire like some cultures, get in my ojos Okay, okay, we don't walk away, in my go day, no way, in my dream Oh no, not today, do not be hating, but it's on the lead We before you speak, think before you read How you love a country, fool on in this people Cause I think you hide behind your politics you want arguments, okay? Yes, I love the kingdom more than I love my nation. Yeah, yes, I love my neighbor more than I love his papers. Okay, okay, stop, stop. still alive. We thought, we thought, we don't do not, do not die. Coming live from the Citadel, I was really alive in the city jail, but Washington fell, still here to Denzel. Love, till we live well, we gon' play the road real well. And I met the bravest, uh, but they still sing when they're living through the anguish. Uh, never be famous when you got a smile for your kids when you know that they in danger. Uh, you feel anger, uh, Puerto Rico, many bodies never claimed you. And when you look into your neighbor and you get hatred, but they be back on vacation. But the people still make it, they will never break it. Cause we're dealing all with the great here, being made here. Spend a couple days here, see the courageous people that you don't want to migrate here. Probably really want to have a for the nations. Cause I see sheep when you say your heart's full, homie. I see eat when I see weak. I pray to God, I see me come. Yeah. 
Singles making me look good, okay. Praise to the most high, yeah, that's Jesus. Look, but when it come to this rap thing, I can't lose. Yeah, back to back number ones, that's the thing grace do. Yeah, tell them boys that ain't nothing I can't do. It's my year. It's my year. Look, God made me for this man, it's my year. Look, ain't no more games going for the kill. For this way before we deal Let's go, let's go Cause this my year This my year This my year This my year God made me for this man This my year Okay, okay, yeah Ain't no more games going for the kill For the kill Working for this way before we deal Yes, yes Ball in my hand, got the magic touch I just run the play and it's immaculate So consistent that they call me Mr. Clutch If you wanna beat me, need a lot of luck Gotta get it shotty like Lloyd But y'all still treat me like a boy So I'm here to take over the whole game Cause y'all left me no choice I really don't see a lot of people Just on the level I'm at, yo Say it every year, cause every year my year And that's just facts, look All I see is prosperity God's the only one ahead of me Just for the clarity Can't teach faith, but this that hard work Mixed with God's grace, so honestly, homie, I really think you should be scared of me. I got the recipe, this is my destiny. Hey, hey, don't believe you can step to me, won't get the best of me. Do the right thing, like it's finally directing me. Getting everything I want, I'm going Rambo. Yo, hope you know that this my year because he says so. It's my year, it's my year. Look, God made me for this, man, it's my year. Look, ain't no more games going for the kill. Working for this way before we deal. Let's go, let's go. Cause this my year. This my year. This my year. This my year. God made me for this man. This my year. This my year. Ain't no more games going for the kill. Working for this way before we deal. Yes, sir. Classic. Who you know mixing the old and the new I'm like the modern day fabulous Who was Satan meant for bad and I made that thing fabulous Mentioning others with my name and I ain't having it Gave me motivation so I had to get up after it uh, I can't help it man, I get it from my pops So I don't got time for kids, Bob, Travis, guys uh, Since day one I've been the hottest on the block uh, Since day one I told them Jesus is the rock Take them back to the days when I was walking to school I couldn't wait to get out so I could get in 
the booth. <laughs> Look, my teacher worried about my glasses. I told her, I'm just trying to make a classic. Wanting me to sell my soul, I told him I refuse. These wanna be me's copying moves, y'all cute. If y'all don't rock with me, I'm cool with being on the outside. Forget the closest ones when they searching for their cloud high. Yeah. When they searching for their cloud high These dudes, Eddie Murphy, but who get the last laugh Was done, forgot the only thing that's ever gon' last, yeah <laughs> And that's facts It's my year, homie I feel Aaron Cole on that one This is my year, you know, 2020 kind of started off kind of crazy You know, the death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter And many other people that died in a helicopter crash And just died in general Now you got this COVID-19 thing going on right now And People are talking about, I want a do-over. I want to restart the new year off. But you know what? It's all about our mindset. It may not be the time that we think of being what we really want it to be, but the Lord is calling us to do some really amazing things in this time. And you know, he called us to do the framework right about now. I think that's a pretty amazing thing. So out of a tragedy can birth so many wonderful things. Spend some time in this year right now finding out what the Lord wants you to do. And what I want you to do right now is get into this very next song coming up right now. Is Todd McRae with Guillotine Choke. Now, I tell you what, this track right here, you can talk about speed rapping. This guy is amazing. The clarity and the diction. The framework. Check him out. Please, a part of me, I don't mean to be rude, but to me, do back and seize. Wanna do what we do, you can't do to a beat. What I do when I speak, I'm running for the test, do not copy up for me. I got flavor when I do it, like a pack of rubber doodles. If you think it, you can beat it, then you probably gonna go keep it litty. When I kick it, like the city, Honolulu, that up on the instrumental, then I treat it like a poodle, cause I got the whole thing in the guillotine choke. 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 Got the whole thing in the guillotine. Got the whole thing in the guillotine choke. Got the whole thing in the guillotine choke. Got the whole thing in the guillotine choke. You came 
problems, so you better pick up the body. So I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. You know, I've always wanted to be a DJ. Now, now, granted, I do really enjoy doing the podcasting and talk show hosting. That's really exciting, too. But since I was very, very young, I've always imagined myself being a DJ and wanting to DJ and doing different things. And my DJ mentor, Larry Preacherman Thompson, he always used to tell me, you know, Craig, music either creates a memory or recalls a memory. And I know that's this may seem kind of simple, but when you really sit back and look at it, there's so much of our lives that's bolted together with music and even sometimes smells and sounds, but you listen to the music sometimes, it really kind of makes you think. And I believe that's even one of those times and one of those things that we can do to help ourselves to kind of calm down and reflect. When we're in church or watching church now because we're quarantined at home, and listening to praise and worship, it gives us a chance to reflect and enter in. A lot of us need to do that reflection and entering in, especially now to help quarantine our thoughts. Over the last several weeks, I've had some great guests that have really given us some tools and talking about how to do that. Dr. Knight did that at the beginning of the show. She reminded us to to kick back and to breathe and to think about what we're doing and what we're getting ready to say. Nate asked us to make a plan and make a routine and get us ourselves into a better place where we're going. We spent some time listening to our worship leader, Andrew Hopkins' perspective, listen to his music as he entered in. Listen to my aunt share what Revelation said about where we are with this whole COVID-19. And next week, we're going to go into another subtopic of Quarantine Father. So thanks again for listening to the Brazen Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. WKBY 1080 AM. We keep blessing you.